Support for CJSW's podcasts comes from listeners just like you. Visit cjsw.com slash donate and join thousands of people who help make independent campus and community radio a reality for the city of Calgary and beyond. CJSW 90.9 FM, radio in color. FM broadcasts on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot and the people of the Treaty 7 region. We asked Carlin Black Rabbit of the Siksika Nation about the Blackfoot Confederacy. It's a collective of people that have a territory throughout southern Alberta, and uh, we're Plains people, right? And we've. We're still here. Learn about Treaty 7 at the Glenbow Museum and listen to CJSW 90.9 FM for more. Hello, hello. Good morning and happy Thursday. My name is Marley and I'm the Vice President External here at the University of Calgary Students' Union. Thanks for joining me again. We are continuing on this municipal election theme as we get closer to Election Day coming up on Monday. Today I have two very special guests, uh, the first one from Ward 9. But before we get into it, I'd like to acknowledge the Treaty 7 region here in southern Alberta which is comprised of the Siksika, Pekani, and Kainai First Nations, as well as the Stony Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. So joining me today, I have Giancarlo Cara. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? It's a pleasure, Marley. I'm I'm as good as can be, considering <laughs> I'm engaged in one of the weirdest job interviews anyone can engage themselves in. Yeah, absolutely. And we're quite a ways in. Advanced polls are already done, and we're heading close to Monday, to Election Day. Um, maybe just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, um, and as the current Ward 9 City Councillor. Well, uh, I never dreamed I would be a politician. I had a 10-year career in sustainable urban design that was sort of, um, that was empowered by uh, getting a master's degree in the Faculty of Environmental Design here at the University of Calgary. It's now called the School of uh, Architecture, Architecture, Landscape, and Planning. Uh, But, you know, uh, in my career, I, I was hooked up with an amazing crew of top uh, consultants, and we worked all over North America. And cities at the end of the 90s and into the 2000s were coming to the realization that they couldn't keep sprawling outwards forever into the countryside. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a terrible financial proposition. It was not supportive of the diversifying economy. It was terrible for the environment. It had all kinds of social ills associated with it polarization, uh, social isolation. Uh, you know, car dependency has has poverty implications and equity implications. And as cities were grappling with the fact that they couldn't keep on keeping on and they had to start growing up responsibly, the next question is how the hell do we do that? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was very lucky to be part of an incredible crew of people who had the answers and were able to work with different cities. And so I saw emerging best practices across North America. And in my spare time, I worked with East Calgary communities uh, because East Calgary is the Brooklyn of Calgary. They're the working... (laughs) neighborhoods and landscapes that built the city of Calgary and because of their diversity of people and cultures, they are actively building what our best future looks like. And so in my work with them as a volunteer and through the University of Calgary, uh, we started to put plans in place for how East Calgary, if you invested in it, could shape what our best future looks like. And uh, I went to City Hall to really get that funded, to stop the sprawl machine, to begin growing up responsibly by Mm -hmm. investing our tax dollars thoughtfully into existing neighborhoods and using East Calgary neighborhoods as the model. Yeah. 
11 years on council, we are doing that city building. Mm -hmm. But this is the election where whether we continue to head in the direction where we face the ship is definitely contested. The other thing I have to be very frank about is that over the last 11 years, I've become much more involved, not just in the physical side of city building, Mm -hmm. but in the people side. I've been the uh, chair of community and protective services for six years. Uh, I am now a member of Calgary Police Commission. And, you know, we've done some heavy lifting in terms of making a much more equitable and inclusive city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the work we've done on truth and reconciliation, the mm-hmm. time is now to really lock that in. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we at the beginning of the pandemic uh, banned conversion therapy. And it was a three-day public hearing that proved that you could do heavy lifting as government, yeah. even though we couldn't gather in traditional ways. And in, and in many ways, the ability to take it digital allowed us to... Um, have more meaningful conversations that were not as uh, constrained by having to take time out of your day and stand, you know, in the, under the lights in, in the glaring stare Mm -hmm. of council. (laughs) And that really allowed us to respond to black lives matter Mm -hmm. several months later as they exploded internationally and onto the streets of Calgary. And they asked us, uh, you know, this is a conversation we're having in the streets about equity and justice, but it's a conversation that we need to have in our halls of justice. And so we undertook, the inquiry into systemic racism in the city of Calgary. And after three days of hearing from our BIPOC community, Mm -hmm. it's very clear that we have serious work to do in becoming an anti-racist city. And and I'm committed to that work as well. So I'd say uh, I am seeking re-election because this is the election where we decide what kind of city we want to be. Do we want to, I think, follow oil and gas into Mm -hmm. a long and painful decline led by a politics of anger, fear, and division? Or do we want to rise on our strengths as a great Western Canadian place to make a great Canadian life? And my commitment is that we rise and that we rise together. And so after 11 years of running under the platform and the, and the mantra of great neighborhoods make a great city, yeah. I am running now under the slogan of rise together. You touch on a lot of really important things that students are following and they care about. But before we get into that, maybe you could tell us a little bit about Ward 9 itself. We know lots of students live in and around the University of Calgary here in Ward 7, but a lot in Ward 9 as well. So maybe just tell us, you know, about the ward and what you've experienced over the last, you know, couple terms on council. So Ward 9 is the Brooklyn of Calgary. It Mm -hmm. is a city within a city. It's probably the only ward that if the rest of the city disappeared could keep on keeping Mm -hmm. on as its own place. And that's due to the diversity of landscape of you know neighborhood and, and working landscapes, park spaces, infrastructure, we'd need a water treatment plant and would be good to go. <laughs> uh, it is uh, historic East Calgary on the uh, west side of the Bow River and the Deerfoot. It's mm-hmm. Inglewood and Ramsey yep. and Manchester. It is Bridgeland and Renfrew. East of the Deerfoot, it's international East Calgary. It's the communities of Greater Forest Lawn. So mm-hmm. you know Southview. Albert Park, Radisson Heights, Forest Lawn proper, which was a town up until 1961, Forest Heights, Dover, Mm -hmm. Aaron Woods, Penbrook, and Applewood, and Red Carpet. It's the industrial southeast, which is one of the economic engines of our city, Mm -hmm. all the way down to Glenmore Trail. It's the former town and now amazing community of Ogden in the southeast, and it is all the countryside between the city of Calgary and the city of Chestermere. Right. Yeah. A lot of really great places. And I mean, you talked about it a little bit, um, but what would you say is, you know, one of your biggest professional accomplishments in your time on council to date? Well, I mean, writ large, Mm -hmm. it is about shifting the growth trajectory of our city from a city of sprawl 
that sucks taxes out of the existing city, subsidizes growth on the edge and builds that city. We can all afford less and less and right. has all the other issues that I alluded to in my opening comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really focusing on a city that's deeply reinvesting in the city, in the neighborhoods that have built our city and that are actively building our city. So, you know, through the University of Calgary, I did my master's thesis on the communities of Greater Forest Lawn, and we looked okay. at two major strategies after a year of deep engagement with the communities. Uh, one was the Central East Corridor strategy, saying from, from the downtown through Inglewood and Ramsey, the communities of Greater Forest Lawn, the countryside, to the city of Chestermere, uh, we have a very short corridor that's near everything you need to be near. And mm-hmm. if you ran primary transit up there and built vibrant neighborhoods along that transit route, you would create you know, an armature of a much more sustainable growth trajectory for the city of Calgary. And then International Avenue itself uh, is a, you know, an, a, an incredibly aptly named street. It mm-hmm. is an International Avenue. It's the only place in the city of Calgary where all of our diversity lives together in community. Mm-hmm. And it was a street that had the highest pedestrian day-to-day usage from the local oh, wow. neighborhoods coming to shop yeah. on the high street. Yeah. And it was the worst pedestrian environment in the entire city. Wow. So the rebuild of International Avenue and the Central East Corridor strategy with the Max Purple were my master's thesis. And my master's thesis is now a $180 million built project. So that is kind of yeah, a cool thing. Absolutely. But at a much larger scale, we are building the Green Line. Mm-hmm. And the Green Line, of course, is the backbone of Calgary's best future. And I'd say the purple line is sort of like a uh, an arm. Yeah. <laughs> this is the backbone. This is what, what locks us into a city that will thrive long into an uncertain future. Mm-hmm. And it's deeply impacting Ward 9 communities sure. all along the route and changing the relationship between neighborhoods. Yeah. And so I would say that... Um, that kind of historic reinvestment and city shaping is what I set out to do, and it is my single largest professional accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And what I'm committed to now is continuing that work and, and building a more equitable city that provides wraparound services, uh, you know, surrounding the three-legged stool of housing, poverty reduction, and mental health and addictions, and, and reordering, you know, how we do prevention. Mm-hmm reordering how we do harm reduction and emergency response, and then reordering how we house people and make sure that we embed them in community so that they don't slip through the cracks moving forward. And that is a a heavy lift. For sure. And that is something that we have to accomplish if we're going to rise together. So I want to go back um, and revisit something that you brought up earlier, and this is this, you know, anti-racism and this path towards that. Um, It's front and center on your website platform, and it's something that students care a lot about. Um, You know, they're the ones showing up on the street and and sharing their voice on this issue because it matters so much to this up-and-coming generation. What specifically does that path look like for you as, you know, Ward 9 Councillor currently and going forward in this next four years? Well, I mean, I think that we have short, medium, and long-term work to do. Right. Uh, And the long-term work is to build the city that I've been talking about for 20 years and that we're we're pointed towards, you know, a city of vibrant, mixed-use, mixed-income neighborhoods for people of all ages, stages, wages, backgrounds, networked with sustainable infrastructure systems and, you know, a thriving, diverse economy that gives everyone opportunities. That's the end game and, uh, you know, that's a city that, that supports everyone. The medium term uh, is that we need to, you know, overhaul everything that we're doing. And, you know, that, that you can call it defund the police. You can call it reallocation of resources. I think Chief Neufeld, when he came to council 
in September of 2020 after, you know, signing on to the acknowledgement of the existence of systemic racism within our yeah. institutions that July, the police showed up in front of council and they laid out their plan uh, for how to become an anti-racist organization. And, yeah. and the three things that we're talking about is that we need to better coordinate all the resources mm-hmm. that we have in play right now. Yeah. Number two, we have to acknowledge the fact that our police uh, attend a tremendous number of emergency calls that are not police matters. Yeah. And when they show up, they inadvertently criminalize issues that are not criminal matters. Yeah. They do not – it's not – fair to the police and it's certainly not pa- fair to uh, members of our community who are in crisis and who need help and mm-hmm. are not getting the help they need. And so we need to figure out a better balance between what we send the police to do, which is to deal with crime, and what we see, what we send a, a new group of support services that respond to emergencies and are plugged into prevention on the front end and housing and, and community supports on the back end. Uh, and then the final thing is that, you know, we have to understand everything that we're doing, who's doing what, and then we have to bring more money to the table. And so we have the Community Safety Investment Framework Fund, right. uh, which is the, the the framework in which we sort of do this work, and we need to fund it. And I'm running under the platform that we absolutely need to run it. Now, on the very short term, uh, we have appointed a number of committees – We've established in the city manager's office an anti-racism committee. We've, uh, we've, uh, we have uh, basically a three-legged stool of citizen committees. We've got the uh, Social Wellbeing Advisory Committee. We have the Calgary Urban Aboriginal Advisory Committee, the people who, who authored White Goose Flying, which is the city's mandate in terms of truth and reconciliation. And we have the newly formed Anti-Racism Action Committee. And over the next uh, four-year business cycle, you know, as we develop the next the business plan and and and, uh, and, and budget for the next four-year cycle, uh, this new council has to deeply involve that citizen oversight and put an anti-racist lens on everything we're doing as we're in the middle of a significant reorganization yeah. of how we deploy the city's forces. Yeah. So that's that's how we do it. Yeah. And now we have to do it. <laughs> I think students, you know, will really appreciate hearing that plan and hearing this very specific specific actions that you've laid out. But, you know, we know that in a couple of days you'll just be one of 15 other voices. So, what does that plan look like? You know, there's mayoral candidates with platforms and there's city council candidates with platforms that don't necessarily align with that plan. So, how, you know, would you work with that dissent and make sure there was still productivity? even if it's not exactly what your vision that you outlined would be? Well, I mean, I, uh, I, uh, my, my politics have been shaped by the Nenshi era. I always say mm-hmm. that I was sort of like elected in an age of politics and full sentences next to Mayor Nenshi, and now we're all enduring the politics of anger, fear, and division. And what I can tell you about the politics of anger, fear, and division is that it makes a lot of noise and it grabs a lot of headlines and it grandstands a lot, but it doesn't do the work Mm because it's focused on something else entirely. And my job is always to find out who's there to do the work and to work with them and get the job done. And so I offer my platform as my best guess as to how we do this. And I look forward to interacting with, Mm -hmm. you know, my peers on council. I look forward to interacting with other orders of government. I look forward to interacting with senior administration and the community as everyone brings their ideas to the table and we, you know, find a way forward. And it's yeah. my hope that as long as we keep our principles front and center, uh, 
maybe the end product doesn't look exactly like what I've laid out, and it probably won't, uh, Mm -hmm. but it is moving the ball forward. And where we're not moving the ball forward, we have to call it out, and we have to um, stand firm. And that's why my Rise Together platform really is proposing three core values that have to be front and center as we propose to rise together. And the first one, of course, is equity, justice, Mm anti-racism, truth and reconciliation. The second is climate action. You know, I have a 20-year career of being uh, a climate warrior in terms of how we build the city. But I have not put that up in people's faces because this is Calgary. Mm -hmm. But how many smoky summers do we have to endure before we recognize that the time to get explicit about climate action is now, especially if we want to make ourselves a destination of choice uh, for the surrounding world. The final one, of course, is democracy and dialogue. Mm -hmm. And it's the understanding that if we are going to achieve the heavy lifts that we need to achieve to bridge the gap between where we are right now and our ability to survive and thrive in a fraught future, uh, we need to understand that government has an important role to play. Uh, We need, if we're going to have a diversified private sector. We need to have a strong public sector. That's its partner. We need to have people who appreciate and understand the role of good governance. And we have to stop electing people to govern us who don't believe in government. Mm -hmm. And you only need to look as far as the province to -hmm. see how things go when you are not electing governors, when you're electing pure politicians who are there to politic all the time. For sure. No, I really appreciate that answer. And it's it's just such a unique relationship that the city councilors have or, or just municipal government in general. It's so different from what we see at the other levels. Uh, I want to go back because you brought up climate action and sustainability. And that's something I wanted to ask you about because, of course, again, it's something that students are following really closely. You know, again, this upcoming generation, you know, looking to the future that we're going to be left with. And I think possibly or the arguments I've heard to date as to why, you know, the climate action has been lacking at the municipal levels because that sort of, you know, lack of municipal reach, um, not as far reaching or encompassing. What would you say to that? And what does specific municipal climate action look like in this next four years? Again, it's a short, medium and long term yeah. proposition. And um, the long term is to build the city that I've been talking about, you know, the city <laughs> of great thriving walkable neighborhoods networked with sustainable infrastructure systems that will survive and thrive as an adaptation Mm -hmm. and a mitigation strategy long into an uncertain future. Um, In order to get there, we need to do some heavy lifting. I I think my, my, my platform calls for a number of things. The first one is to establish a climate budget, much Mm -hmm. like Edmonton has. We have to make our decisions, not just on what things cost, but how much carbon they dump into the atmosphere or how much carbon they avoid dumping into the atmosphere. And we have to find a uh, very thoughtful balance between those two considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, you know, the way city government works is that we run on a four-year business plan and budget cycle and the incoming council is going to inherit in November mm-hmm. the last of the four years. Yeah. And as soon as that gets done, we roll up our sleeves and we begin planning what the next four years look yeah. like. And so we have to embed that in there. Uh, We also need to uh, supercharge a whole suite of of programs that we're rolling out and that we're talking about rolling out. We just rolled out a program where individuals can uh, uh, improve the environmental performance of their homes where the city acts as the banker and then charges you mm-hmm. over 15 years on your yeah. property tax. We need to do that for the commercial sector. We need to, you know, retree our forests. We also need to protect ourselves against long-term flood and drought. And so 
Right now, we have upstream on the Elbow River uh, the SR1 that is beginning construction, and that will protect us from flood events coming down out of the mountains Mm -hmm. on the Elbow River Reach. We have to do the same thing on the bow. But on the bow, we also have to create a protection that won't just uh, mitigate against uh, uh, flood. It will also mitigate it against drought because what we're going to see moving forward are extremes of drought and flood, you know, long mm-hmm. years of drought followed by years of, of soaking wet flood. And we have to be able to mitigate those. And that's a billion-dollar project. Yeah. That's a rebuild of the Ghost Reservoir. And you need people on council you know, who understand where we've been and where we're going. We also need to do great things like the Green Line, of course, is a, is a, is a green line in that mm-hmm. regard. We need to build a train out to Banff so that yeah. we can celebrate and continue to, you know, deeply connect as Calgarians with our, our, our wilderness and our yeah. mountain parks in a way that isn't choking them out and share them with the world in a way that's not choking them out. And so I'm committed to projects like that. There's so much that needs to be done, and I'm super excited by all of them. Also, shout out to uh, the Renfrew Solar Garden. Very mm-hmm. shortly, the uh, the parking lot of the Telespark is going to uh, become a canopy of solar uh, wow. voltaics that's run by a cooperative out of the community of Renfrew as a community-driven solar project. So wow. we, we need to just basically supercharge so many projects. We need to assume the carbon budget and really do our budgeting around that, and we need to build that sustainable city. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, those projects are obviously really impactful, and I hope to see you know some of them come to life in this next couple or in this term at least um i want to go on to a different topic something that's been sort of front of mind for students and for student leaders um over this past couple of months through the summer and leading up to the advanced polling period was of course the vote anywhere polling stations now for the listeners vote anywhere allows students to vote on campus regardless of what ward they come from so it's super accessible it's the difference between students voting and not voting at all simply because their schedules and their lives just wouldn't allow for it um this year elections calgary made the decision to not have vote anywhere um and as a direct result of student advocacy we've got sort of this mix in the middle um where students were able to vote on campus um but for a while there it was looking like they wouldn't be able to now there was a lot of complications this election is obviously obviously a very busy one and we're running it in the middle of a global pandemic. So, I mean, I guess going forward, um, what does vote anywhere mean to you and what do you think it means to students? Um, and hoping, you know, in the next next four years, we won't have to have the same fight. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I'm hugely supportive of vote anywhere and a shout out to the student advocates who made a big deal about this and got the city to reverse its course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Kudos to you and, Thank you. and student advocacy gets shit done. You know, <laughs> it does. <laughs> whether it's whether it's uh, transit or whether it's uh, secondary suites or any of those things, hugely important. Thank um, you. Uh, I'll just be very frank with you. It was a decision that was made. It was a bad decision. And when I looked at the mayor and several other of my colleagues who were picking it up, who didn't have to run a re-election exactly. campaign, yeah. I was like, they got this mm-hmm. and they got it. <laughs> and so I was not very vocal about that, but oh, I didn't need to be. And and we will make sure uh, moving forward that, that I think we're, we're making our – We'll have a debrief at the end of this election, right. and I will absolutely be an advocate for setting up how we show up four years from now in a much better way, hopefully also without the complications of a global pandemic yes. sort of making things yeah, more awkward. Yeah, I've heard from 
other candidates and councillors that, you know, the difficulty is city councils that, you know, arms length away from elections, Calgary, and rightfully so. But I guess, you know, at what point do you balance that, you know, stepping in and making sure there's a decision that is reversed or is changed to, you know, increase voter turnout or to just make our democracy more whole? Um, and so I guess, how would you, you balance that, you know, in the conversations and the debriefs going you know, forward? That, that's the awkward thing that council always has to do. I mean, yeah. you know, another thing that always comes up is the idea that, uh, you know, we have some candidates in the race who are saying, like, you know, I'm going to get rid of our pension. I'm going to reduce our salary. I'm mm-hmm. going to do. It. Elected officials should have zero yeah. to say about how they're compensated, <laughs> right? At the end of the day, though, um, you know, we have intervened in the past. Mm-hmm. We had a very awkward uh, citizen group that turned out to be sort of like full of some weird plants from. Oh certain sectors of the economy and who made this statement in the lead up to you know, a couple of years ago, they were saying, well, if you get, uh, if you lose an election, that's basically getting fired with cause. And so, you know, the four weeks of severance pay that you get to get your life back on track, uh, we should get rid of that. And you should have zero dollars as soon as you lose the election. A lot of us stepped in and said, you know what, that is just the kind of thing that will only ensure that people of means Mm -hmm. seek elected Mm -hmm. office and we have to make seeking elected office more open to everybody. And so that's a place where I'm adamant that we should have nothing to say about our compensation and yet we intervened. And Mm -hmm. so, and, you know, we heard about it and some people understand and some people don't and thus is the messy game of politics. Again, principles have to drive our decision making and and I'm committed to that. I, I also just want to throw out because I talked about the environment and I mm-hmm. talked about anti-racism. And what I did not do earlier was just put those two things together. Oh, You know, like yeah. climate action, equitable, just society, anti-poverty. These things are deeply interconnected mm-hmm. and we have to be very aware and cognizant of those things. Yeah, no, thank you for adding that. I really appreciate that. We're coming close on our time, um, but I did have a question from submitted to me from a student on our Instagram page. Um, and, you know, basically there's there's a lot of turnover on council this election. And, um, you know, we're seeing that shift and this sort of momentum as new councillors are going to take their seat. Usually incumbents like yourself have an advantage. Is that th- different this time considering, you know, how long you've served on council and the amount of turnover that we will be seeing? Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Right. And... I'll tell you, after 11 years of service with the ship of Calgary pointed in a much more sustainable direction, I was honestly thinking that this was my time to retire. And then COVID mm-hmm. struck and a number of things didn't come over the line and and, and and this sort of like massive change in council and this existential question about how we move forward sort of yeah. rose up. And a number of amazing young community leaders who I was having conversations with about maybe stepping in to fill yeah. Ward 9 shoes all said, I can't do it. And so I was left in this situation where I was like, we, I believe fully in council turning over in a healthy level. And if you look back through the elections, it basically turns over a third. This time it's turning over two thirds -thirds. or more at the most critical time in our history. And so I I am standing for re-election because we need veteran strength on the roster. We need to understand, you know, where we've come from over the last 11 years and have that institutional knowledge and record and and be able to sort of speak to that because it is invaluable on council. And we also need a strong voice for East Calgary because, you know, I love my beautiful Ward 9 East Calgary (laughs) neighborhoods. Uh, But I also know that we can get the short end of the stick if we don't have a strong voice around the table. And and so I, I... 
I and what kind of counsel are we going to get? I mean, and I, I think you know, I heard Paul Ferry sort of laid out five possibilities <laughs> that had a lot more optimism than I have. I think we've got three <laughs> options, right? Option number one is we elect a bunch of leaders who are capable of collaborating at mm-hmm. this critical moment and can lead city and lead our city to rise. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're going to elect a diverse crew of people who fail to collaborate and who churn, right. or we're going to elect, you know politicians politicking focused on winning the game of politics who don't care whether we win the game of life or not Mm -hmm. and they will drag this place down the sucker could go down Mm -hmm. i fundamentally believe that Mm -hmm. and i don't want it to go down because i love this place (laughs) and uh, i'm running to be uh veteran strength on the roster and and a strong voice for east calgary and a strong voice for the values of an equitable just city a climate action city and a city that respects the fact that for the time being, we're very lucky to live in a place where government works. And we have to maintain that and defend that if we're going to if we're going to survive and thrive long into an uncertain future. Absolutely. And I really appreciate your voice and for being here. It's a great message to leave for students. Um, if you're tuning in just now and you missed it, you're welcome to go back and listen to this episode on CJSW.com. That's John Carlo Carra running in Ward 9. Best of luck to you in this next couple of days. Well, thank you. And thank you for everything you do as a thank student you. leader. So important. <laughs> thank you so much. Stay tuned because we have another special guest coming right up after this. <laughs> When do you come out to play? Cause if the Lord is gonna find me, he better start looking The weekends setting traps in the road. I should have been calling out my eyes. You'll never guess what baby did. We see God. Oh, oh. oh, oh. Now, 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 birds singing to me here. What they trying to say. I don't know. I think they come for the couple. I think they come for the couple.
big Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for staying tuned in. My name is Marley. I'm the VP External at the University of Calgary Students Union. If you missed it, I had Ward 9 City Councilor candidate Giancarlo Carra on. You're welcome to access that episode um, on cgsw.com right after this. Thanks for staying. I have another very special guest, Jan Damery. Thank you so much for joining me, a mayoral candidate in the election. How are you doing today, Jan? I am great, Marley. And thank you so much for having me. And also just to hello to all your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. We are so happy to have you here. I'm continuing on this theme of municipal advocacy and talking to candidates as we get really close to election day on Monday. We are four days away. It's going fast. <laughs> Counting down, yes. Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, why don't you tell us a little little bit about yourself and your professional background and why you chose to run. Yeah, maybe I'll start with that that second question, yeah, Marley, <laughs> because it, I so believe in the future and potential of our city. I moved here in 1990 as a young adult, and this was a place of opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's not feeling that way anymore. And I think we're sort of missing some of the blinding light of the obvious of all of the attributes and assets we have. Yeah. And I'm the kind of leader that just brings people together to really achieve uh, great positive things. And so for me, feeling almost mission-driven, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, about my particular skill set, which I'll share with you where it comes from, of of pulling our community together, helping it believe in itself again Mm -hmm. so that we become the global place to be, to live, learn, work, and play. Um, Really important because I've also traveled and worked outside of the country. Um, My background, I'm an economist by background. Uh, Sadly, not a U of C alumni, (laughs) so U of A and UBC. Uh, but spent uh, the, the formative part of my career in the energy sector, often was the only female around an yeah. executive table. Uh, and that journey also led me to work in the not-for-profit sector uh, with United Way in okay. Calgary. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I went overseas and worked with the Agacon Development Network. So I have worked in places such as Afghanistan, which is so oh, relevant today, yeah. Pakistan, mm-hmm. East Africa, which are the countries of Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda. Mm-hmm. And I have learned just the power of diverse community. And we have that opportunity here in Calgary. We actually have one of the most diverse cities uh, in Canada on paper. We don't act Mm, that way. So this is the vision. And I think so, I think why I always love to be on campus here is I just feel, right, that amazing diversity of people's perspectives and cultures and experiences. And this is the vibrancy that we can create in our own city by investing in our local and ensure that we've got jobs. Mm-hmm. For everyone. Yeah. And particularly as people right now, right, going to school and starting to build their careers. I want you to be excited about this place so that you'll stay here, build your careers, build your families, and build your lives here. Yeah, that's, yeah, what a background. And I mean, that's what we're all about here is, you know, students and, and what our future of this city looks like. Um, and it's sad to see, you know, a lot of students choosing to study elsewhere or to move elsewhere to find their careers and set up their, start their families and set up their lives elsewhere. So I guess, you know, what in your platform or do you think, you know, as your term as potentially mayor matters most to students to keep us here and to, you know, have a successful life in Calgary, whether studying or postgraduate? Yeah, there are two aspects to that. And I'm just also going to start with that. Um, it's personal for me. I have a 24-year-old stepson mm-hmm. who left the city a year ago because he couldn't find a job here yeah. and has gone to the island. And I want to actually make sure there's a place that he wants to come back to to build his life because I 
I'm older than a lot of you, and I want to be a grandmother in situ. Mm-hmm. So there is a really personal mission there. Mm-hmm. But the two factors that I referenced just a few minutes ago is creating this vibrant city uh, where people want to be by building and leveraging and working with our post-secondary institutions like U of C so that we've actually got more campuses downtown. Okay. Uh, we've got kids, students, yeah. living working, learning downtown. Mm-hmm. We've started that. UC has a, a school of architecture. I yeah. think SAIT has got a digital tech. But when we think, too, about um, the transition that already is happening in our local economy, remember, I'm an economist by background, how important local and the grassroots in the tech. So it's about supercharging the tech sector. Right. So by putting students living and working, turning downtown into a neighborhood, we also start to revitalize that downtown For core sure. that attracts more, that also wants um, tech startups to be there because now they've got a natural pipeline of graduates Mm -hmm. in all the disciplines that are required really amping up our digital and stem graduates Mm -hmm. i don't know if many of you know that i have a minor in mathematics so so economists yep a lot of people don't realize (laughs) it's statistics if those of you that are studying right now (laughs) um it was sort of my forte but we need more graduates thousands we're graduating hundreds right now out of these fields we need thousands and it's also putting the back, uh, as I talked to Graham, my 24-year-old, right? Uh, he felt there was nothing to do here. So what's the cool that we can put back into Calgary? Mm-hmm. So it's investing in places like the uh, Events Center. It's right. about the Glenbow Museum. Mm-hmm. It's about making sure there's more than one vibrant street downtown that you want to spend time and my dream is that I can buy a Reuben sandwich at 3 a.m. <laughs> in a very vibrant downtown that's full of people. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually where safety comes too, because I think right now a lot of people are afraid of downtown. Yeah. Uh, but it's also any world-class city, the heart and soul of its city is a vibrant downtown. Mm-hmm. So that will be the legacy, I think, in my leadership and those ideas working in partnership, both private and public partnerships, that we really activate and animate it. Yeah, you're right in that, you know, that translates to the vibrancy of downtown and sort of revitalizing it. Um, what does that specifically look like? What are next steps for you in your term as mayor to make sure that actually happens? Yeah. So... One of the reasons that I think governments get caught up in their bureaucracy and uh, they have these great ideas, have these great plans, but they don't execute. And that has been my commentary and observation about this current council. Mm -hmm. Lots of plans. And even we've got three councillors running for mayor talking about lots of plans. What have they done in the last four years? Mm -hmm. Just still talking lots of plans. Mm -hmm. So what you get with me as leader, because I've done this in all my career, worked on very big projects, I know how to execute So I have a very detailed platform, if you've had a chance to look at it, incredibly proud. All of these pieces fit together. But I've also figured out how to pay for it over time. Mm. And so what gets in the way of governments not executing or acting is its projects or programs or plans are not adequately resourced, and the accountability is not built into the management. And so those are the two things that differentiate me, because I know how to do this, is in terms of the leadership, both getting council working together, which they have not been working together, if you've been following municipal politics, particularly for the last four years, but also ensuring that uh, city managers have the resources and accountability that's required to execute these plans. Mm -hmm. It's about action. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, you know, outlining that specific plan. I think students are eager to have that vibrant downtown in the space that you were talking about. Um, One of the things, I mean, you talked about it a little bit in terms of council working together. How do you plan on doing that? You know, we have current city councillors running for mayor, but, you know, not having that experience as a councillor and also having a lot of new councillors. There's going to be a lot of turnover. What does that leadership style look like as mayor without that councillor experience, but leading, you know, a group of new councillors to still be productive and work together? I love this question, Marley, because yeah. it comes up actually all the time. Yeah, I bet. If you watch how council has been operating, there's been a lack of uh, great governance. Mm-hmm. So because I've worked in government, because I've worked in the corporate sector, because I've worked in not-for-profit, which mm-hmm. is most is one of the most challenging governance sort of organizations to work for in, sure. I have ext- strength in governance. Uh, and so it actually is an advantage right now not being an existing councillor because actually the way they've been applying governance is broken. Mm. So we're going to have at least nine new councillors, potentially 11, plus a new mayor. Yeah. This is a huge opportunity to reset and also reset the culture of city, mm. uh, which includes city administration because it starts at the top. Think of that council as the board of directors for the city. And because of the dysfunction and governance, that council has gotten their hands into projects they should not have their hands in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's gotten in the way and frustrated the workings of city administration. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is about redefining what that partnership uh, and how we work together, but being very clear sitting as mayor, being in some sense the chair of that board. I can only take that analogy so far because it's a very complicated system. But it is about very clear priority, very clear action plan. It's one of the reasons I have such a detailed plan because it becomes the playbook that brings us together, that allows people to bring their own ideas because something I've learned over the course of my career, working in very complex organizations, leading them to achieve very big projects, Mm -hmm. that has been the leadership. That's why I think I'm the right leader, right time, is that playbook, I'm going to allow them because people support what they create. Mm -hmm. And we have seen the divisiveness because people don't have a common vision. So this is the role of the mayor out of the gate to corral that new council, we agree on the common vision, what the priorities are. And it's not 160 priorities, Marley. It's mm-hmm. what is the top 10 that we mm-hmm. can actually all keep alignment. Right. This is to lack of governance through this system is that we've had competing priorities and no wonder things spin and things don't get done. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, this divisiveness being reflected in how many candidates there are in this election. And I know you had a press conference today to sort of discuss, you know, what it means to be a city councillor or a mayor and to listen um, to the people. So what does, I mean, you talk about a little bit about that press conference yeah. and what it means to be that person. I have been spending a lot of time meeting with people. This has yeah. been the great gift of this campaign. Um, uh, I, I mean, I have diverse networks just because of my diverse background right. in the work I've done. But meeting new people, doing lots of door knocking and just the confusion, mm-hmm. uh, the dissatisfaction. Yeah with how the city is running, not feeling heard, whether you are a member of a community association, whether you're a small business, whether you're a developer, ironically. Uh, and um, when I reflect on why there are 24 non-incumbent mm-hmm. people running to be mayor, it's because people are not feeling heard. Yeah. This is what has to change. And in fact, I've been reaching out personally to a number of the mayoralty candidates to talk about their experiences, what are their ideas? I, I've spent some time with them over the course, right? Yeah. And so we did a forum here with you and your yep. team, which was one of the what, best well-run, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I'll add, it was awesome. 
Uh, so I've got to know some of these amazing people, and they have mm-hmm. not gotten any airtime, but they have things to say. Mm-hmm. You take a Shiley Wang, for example, such a courageous man. Mm-hmm. Uh, English is not his first language, but his love and commitment for this city, mm-hmm. and it's all about fiscal responsibility, it which is. to me is table stakes for any mayor. I'm an economist. I can't do anything without fiscal mm-hmm. responsibility or fiscal sustainability. Mm-hmm. So we have to listen to these ideas and bring those voices to the table. And that's what I am committing to as mayor. So that's what the press conference was about today. Nice. I had a couple of other mm-hmm. uh, mayorly candidates stand up with me to say there are other choices. We cannot right. choose and people deserve better than the best of the worst. Mm-hmm. Because if we choose one of those existing councillors, which is where things seem to be railroading, and I think that also is um, not giving Calgarians credit. Mm. They're paying attention. They want change. Uh, And so even how we're talking about this election does a huge disservice to people. Because I know people are still trying to decide their decisions. So today it's about encouraging, looking at the platforms, vote for something. Mm -hmm. Don't vote for against someone. Right. Right. No, you bring up a lot of really good points that I want to follow up on. Firstly, you know, revisiting that listening piece and and being the active listener. There's a lot of competing voices that you'll probably hear. How do you balance or manage, you know, not being able to please everybody, but still being that active listener like you talked about? Yeah. And again, this is where track record really comes in. So I'm not just going to say, you know, just talk off the top of my head. I've, I've experienced doing this all the time. I've worked on very complex projects with very different points of view. And as you, as you get to know me, Marley, too, you'll probably know that I've got strong views. Mm-hmm. I've got opinions. But they're my opinions. And right. I get very curious why people think differently than I do. Mm-hmm. So I, in fact, I always seek out alternative viewpoints because I know I don't have all the answers. I think this is fundamentally important in leadership mm-hmm. to have that ability and that vulnerability to say, okay, I have a strong view on this, but I'm going to step back because I want to hear other perspectives because I can only base... Um, my observation, my opinion on my own experience. So how do I bring others into the tent? I always talk about one big brain in solving complex problems. Mm-hmm. Have not seen that in city council at all. Right. And past behavior, in my experience as a leader, is a very good indication of future behavior. Mm-hmm. For sure. We need this ability now more than ever to listen to others and be willing to be challenged by other perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I take those perspectives and I always call, I look for the red thread that ties it all together. And it's again back to what are we all trying to achieve together? We are more the same than we are different. Mm -hmm. Often we disagree on how we will get there, but we're also, in my experience, trying to get to the same place. And in this case, it is having Calgary recover better than before, including everyone in the recovery and being this global place to live, learn, work, and play. Right, yeah. You answered this question a little bit previously, but, I mean, a lot of the polls show this as a two-way race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know advanced polling is done, and we're just waiting for Monday. Um, what do you make of those polls? And I guess what specifically do you think, you know, of voters, like you said, who are waiting to make their decision and to go and vote on Monday, yeah. you know, when, when seeing those things? Yeah, Um So that story, even when I was thinking about getting into this mayoralty race about a year ago, Mm -hmm. I was told, don't do it. The incumbents have it stacked and uh, one of them will be the next mayor. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how does that serve the city? Yeah. Which is why. So so interesting and interesting that the narrative has been both in the media and by these polls, which feed each other, has not shifted. Um, What I can say in talking with people 
I've been doing a lot of door knocking, uh, more than most mm-hmm. in this in this uh, in diverse neighborhoods with people. They are undecided. They're confused. And I think something that gives me and still encouragement even four days out um, is is the number of um, undecided voters is very high. Yeah. That decision is going to be made on the weekend. Yeah. And so the encouragement is don't buy into that narrative. Don't buy into the railroading. Do your research. And again, that narrative is it's vote against Farkas mm-hmm. or vote against Gondek. Mm-hmm. What are we voting for? None of them have a compelling vision. None of them are inspiring people to come together to create this future city. I think we deserve better. And that's the leadership that I'm offering. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's a a really valuable message. I know students will appreciate hearing that because a lot of them are confused as well um, and making the decisions leading up to Monday. So, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, Yeah, I'm hoping we can dive into a student-specific issue that's been really relevant this election, um, and you'll recognize it from the forum um, because it's just been so front of mind for students, and that's the opportunity to vote on campus. Um, And Elections Calgary earlier in the summer made the decision not to have a vote anywhere polling stations and for the listeners vote anywhere allows students to vote on campus regardless of which ward they live in so it's a huge accessibility um, and you know availability of opportunity and the difference between students voting and not voting at all so you know the risk of not having that was detrimental to the student voice so I guess as mayor you know what would you do or what's your perspective on vote anywhere and how important it is to students to make sure that in four years the student leaders don't have to have this fight again I am so behind that fight, and I think mm-hmm. uh, even as I shared in the forum, was yeah. one of the first candidates to jump in and said, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about access. This is about democracy. It is. Um, what I want to do, I still, when we think about this age of technology, and I don't know if you've got your vaccine QR code yet. Not yet. Think about this technology. Why can't we vote with QR codes? Mm. Why can't we vote on our phone, given the security? I do my all my banking on my right. phone. I do all my. Mm-hmm. So what is different about voting in this case? Uh, oh, so question. I think we've actually <laughs> got to think outside the box. So it is accessible so that we can engage everyone where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've got to take it beyond. But as a bare minimum, Marley, it's about making sure we have choices on campus. doesn't matter where you live. Mm-hmm. Make it easy. Yeah. A lot of my reflection, you can just see my you know, <laughs> wheels turning here. Yeah is we often vote on what's easy for administration, right. what's easier for the system. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking about the customer, in this case, the voter. Right. So what's going to make it easier? Because this also translates to our elderly. It does. How do we help them vote and exercise? Um, because of I've shared with you places that I've lived and worked, mm-hmm. uh, like Afghanistan, Pakistan, others, Africa, people die to vote. So I take this responsibility and accountability very seriously. Yeah, it's almost like we throw lots of frustrations and red tape that prevent people from exercising that fundamental right. And this is another message I want to build on. I know kids and students are busy right now. Mm -hmm. I know it's midterms. It's overwhelming. (laughs) We've all been overwhelmed. But this is such an important election. The decision made on Monday will decide our future, not just for four years, like because of the power of the incumbency. Mm multiple years. Yeah. Uh, we have to vote because it's about the future and how we create this. So I'm going to encourage all of your listeners, make the time if you haven't already. Yes. It's fundamental. 
Yeah, no, a great message and one that, yeah, we're trying to push the students as well on Monday, you know, directing them to their closest polling station yes. and how to, to make that happen because, yeah, you're right. And it's even so go important. on my site, jandamery.com. We mm-hmm. have a link that you can actually just put in right where, you're, where you're living. We'll yeah. give you the closest. Yeah. And we go right to that just to make it easier. But it is worth the energy. This is one of the single most, I, I tell my boys, I've got 21 and 24-year-old stepsons. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You've got to exercise yeah. your vote. Yeah. This is fundamental in democracy, and you can't take it for granted because this is your voice, and you have a say, and vote for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. No, a great message, and I guess you know, my follow-up would be it's it's a really confusing election. I mean, the ballot was very, oh. very long. Um, so, what you know, students, it's already kind of an overwhelming process. A lot of students, this will be the first election that they get a chance to vote in. So, I mean, what would you say to those students who <gasps> kind of, you know, overwhelming and a bit daunting to go in there and participate? So don't doubt yourself. Yeah, um, it's it's going to look like a multiple choice. <laughs> uh, so in fact, you may actually have a better chance of remembering <laughs> because that's what it looks like as you color in the dots. I yeah. remember doing those tests right as a mm-hmm. student way back when, and just go right with what you believe in and make your choices accordingly. Mm-hmm. These are they're very important questions, and yeah. you know how you're going to vote. Don't second guess. Don't think that you're overwhelmed that you don't know. You do know. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's believe. I always say that. What would I tell my younger self? That's it. And it's, uh, again, uh, don't be daunted by it. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth it. Perfect. Thanks for that message. And we're coming close up on our time, but one of the other things I wanted to quickly ask you about was transit and specifically the Green Line. You know, it's a project that students are eager about um, that will connect our city. Where do you stand on the project sort of as approved now? I want to get that built. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, we've wasted time. It should have been built even a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. This is also the cost of us not having a high-functioning city council. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's getting it built, and you'll see that I have a plan in my platform. It's called Network 2030. It's about making sure that we're even more interconnected, connecting actually our post-secondary campuses to downtown so it's far easier so that students also have an ability Mm -hmm. not to have to own or rely on a car. Right. Uh, How do we get transit around that you can go? That's part of the vibrancy revitalizing downtown. Mm -hmm. This idea, too, that you could actually live downtown, work downtown, be able to go out for that Reuben sandwich, uh, and not have to worry about safety of transportation. For sure. Fundamental, too, for women in our city. We have many women who are not feeling safe in this city. I know there are Muslim women walking around with bear spray. So this also is a unique lens that I bring as a female mayor. For sure. Uh, how do we ensure? Because uh, I have worked, lived, again, worked in places where it was not safe for me to be by myself or outside, and transportation was always key. Yeah. So I want to build back a city where we actually have safe transportation options that is affordable, that is frequent, Frequency is freedom, mm-hmm. and reliability is freedom. Mm-hmm. So this is my commitment, and Green Line is a big piece of that, but also that we're connecting east and west in the city, too, that you can get anywhere that you need to go. For sure, and, and at risk of changing the topic, I want to pick up on that female leadership thing that you brought up and how transportation, you know, the safety of public transit um, or just public spaces in general being so key. What does that specifically look like to you as a female mayor? Yeah, it's more people feeling connected because it's, and, and understanding, too, what's going on in our streets. Um, mm-hmm. Because we don't have a lot of people, not a lot of activity. We've got a lot of people suffering mental health. Mm-hmm. I tie mental health together with addictions, with erratic behavior, to petty crime. It's actually one full circle. Yeah. So just saying we need more police downtown is not the solution. We actually have to understand people are hurting. There is trauma. What do we invest in social services uh, to make sure that we're actually addressing the root cause of that trauma and mental health considerations. Mm-hmm. I also think why we're seeing so much anger in our society right now and, 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 and people literally acting out against 
things that are not familiar or that they're afraid of yeah. uh, is because of, we are seeing this shadow pandemic from this um, from the COVID pandemic. So how do, again, we have to come together. It's, it's very difficult to vilify someone else when you're in relationship with them. Mm-hmm. This is back to fundamentals about us coming together as human beings and celebrating the diversity and having vibrancy downtown, lots of people around. That's actually, there is safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. And there is actually unity in diversity. This is the vision that I am bringing as mayor. And it's not just pie in the sky. I've lived it. I've lived in other cultures. I've often been the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know how to do this. I'm hearing, look, at, I'm getting passionate about this. Really. <laughs> All good. You can see just my conviction and how much Absolutely. I believe in this. Yeah. This is the important thing about having, I think, right now, a female mayor that believes in diversity and the power of diversity and the power of bringing us all together to create the city that we want to live in. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And I guess, you know, as parting words, looking to Monday and, you know, having the chance to talk to students who haven't voted yet or who are thinking about voting, not sure yet, um, what would you say? Vote for your future. Mm -hmm. Vote for someone I'm going to offer. Look at my platform. I hope that I've earned and gotten you curious but I'm asking for your support. Also could be the first female mayor. Yeah. And it's and it's about the right female. So look at my background. Look at my leadership experience. None of the other councillors have managed multi-million dollar budgets, projects, or teams. Mm-hmm. That is the difference that I am offering. And because of the principles and my track record of bringing people together... This is the leadership I believe we need. This is the leadership I'm offering. I don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. I have a great job. I have taken an unpaid leave of absence from the YWCA Calgary currently wow. to offer my service and my commitment to the city because I so believe in it. And remember, too, I want to get my oldest son back. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Thanks. If you are just tuning in now or you want to access that episode again, You can find it on cgsw.com. Jan, thank you so, so much for being here. And to all the listeners, get out and vote on Monday. Take advantage of that. And uh, yes, thank you, Jan, for being here so much. Thanks so much. It's been such a delight. Awesome. You say that I go out to get you off my mind. I've been done for a while now. And all Trying to make you just